0: Hello, welcome to the Integrated Care Podcast. I'm Grace Pratt, Behavioral Medicine Faculty at Integra's Great Plains Family Medicine Residency in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And we're doing things a little bit differently this month. We had some conflicts on the schedules of our co-hosts and I decided to take this opportunity to have on some guests that I've really been hoping to have for a while and have a conversation that we've been hoping to have for a while about our stories in medicine, the stories that we bring, the stories that our patients bring, and how we use that in our patient care and teaching. Um, So we're going to have a few uh, successive interviews. But first, I am joined by Randall Wrights, editor of a new book. Uh, So Randall, would you mind first introducing yourself?
1: Sure, yeah. So Randall writes, I am Director of Behavioral Medicine at the St. Mary's Family Medicine Residency in Grand Junction, Colorado.
0: And I want to just ask you kind of broadly as we're starting,
1: what is your kind of personal history with words and stories? A great question. I go back to, um, someone told me about policy advocacy, that um, policy is changed by stats and stories. Mm-hmm. And I had been trained to do stats through grad school, but hadn't been trained in stories. And I just came to believe deeply that that is a a very true statement that um, when you look at when change happens, it's because there's a compelling story to support it. And so I decided I wanted to be a person who would bring together compelling stories. So
0: when did you start to pursue that and what has that looked like for you?
1: Um, It's Going back probably about 10 years, Um, I was uh, a co-chair for the CFHA conference in Denver and we did a, a very narrative opening plenary. And I just love that, having people kind of write these interesting, short, very brief um, stories about their lives. And I got great feedback on it, and so I've done several things similar to that at conferences. And then I fell in love with 55-word stories. Colleen Fogarty got me into those. And then just through the residency job, I do a fair amount of just sharing stories and poems. And, And then about four years ago, I started a certificate program in narrative medicine from Columbia. And that just really kind of brought it all together for me.
0: So you have a role similar to mine, where we wear lots of hats, we have lots of different responsibilities between patient care and teaching and um, administration and all of those different pieces. And we have listeners who, some of them have very combined roles like ours, but then we have a lot of clinicians and a lot of um, just various stakeholders of integrated care. And so I'm curious, how has this idea of thinking about stories and holding space for stories affected some of those different areas of your work?
1: I definitely have gotten a reputation at work to be someone who likes to um, to write stories and to kind of cajole others to write their stories. Um, Sometimes willingly, sometimes they're maybe a little bit more um, hesitant at first, but they tend to enjoy it over time. We do a narrative medicine elective in our in our program now, and I've um, run that the last two years, and just found that to be really enjoyable. It's a nice way for residents to um, get a break from clinical medicine and to be more reflective. And I've just learned to just do small bits of narrative throughout my work week.
0: I think that's really interesting, this idea of bringing creativity, but it's not like a, we stop everything and totally shift what we're doing, but how can it be a thread that runs through?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you ask my... My friends and colleagues, they'll say to watch out, because I will, if I, if I think a person tells a good story, I will like, grab onto them and say, hey, hey, let's do a presentation together. You have, you have that experience already. <laughs> I have had that experience. Several times.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, and I've always appreciated it. And I, I think it's made me really thoughtful and reflective about the stories that we tell, um, so one of those experiences was when you invited me to write a narrative of my own health experience of birthing triplets for your new book. So can you tell some about kind of how the book came to be and about the book itself?
1: Yeah, so the, the origin <laughs> story of the book is I run a fellowship for a medical family therapists, and my first ever fellow was Laura Sedano. After she had been done for about a year or two, we didn't have anything collaborative cooking at that point, And she said, well, let's do a book together. And um, we had different visions for the book at first. Um, there was a book called um, The Shared Experience of Illness, edited by Jerry Hepworth, Susan McDaniel, Bill Doherty, back at, about 20 years ago now. And that was kind of our first model of how could we bring that book into the future. Um, that book was very much, the stories were mostly cases and kind of learning points. And so we decided to do it differently, Have to be much more about narratives themselves So we just kind of played around with the idea for a while, brought on a co-editor, who is uh, Mark Knudsen, who is um, from Wake Forest. He's a family physician. And then we spent like six years just reaching out to people, getting their buy-in to contribute a narrative. Um, And then we had enough. We felt we could go to a publisher, and we approached the publisher, and they um, took the bait. And then it took us six years to bring it to to fruition.
0: I know that there was a protracted labor of love (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the book is called connections in the clinic and I think you guys have several different kinds of stories in the book
1: yeah so there's six sections kind of developmentally the first one is about family of origin stories and then teachers and mentors colleagues and collaborators patient care and then clinician as, as patient illness stories from our own lives and then the last one is on death and loss
0: what are some things that surprised you about doing this project?
1: I was surprised just by the quality of, of storytelling in our community. People mm-hmm. who you don't see them in that role, like they're often presenting data or they're leading some sort of a collaborative or, or organization and they have this really neat side to them that um, they hadn't had a chance to share before.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. And what are some hopes that you have for how the book might be used or um, maybe some ways you're already seeing it. It finally is out in print, which is so <laughs> exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I'm hoping it'll be a book often used in training programs, quite honestly. Cause mm-hmm. I think, I think it's, um, it really speaks to the training experience and also the, the mentorship teaching experience. I think there are stories that really lend themselves to supervision, to, you know, if there's like a, a poignant teaching moment to have the story kind of be shared as part of that. Um, it also has reflections. Each section ends with a reflection. And and those also have a recorded guided imagery to go along with it. And I think those are really nice um, ways to bring wellness into a team. And so we have like a weekly group supervision at my, my program. And so we will often bring out one of those guided imageries and, and go through the process together, kind of invoke some mindful breathing and then listen to that and go through the process together.
0: Mm, that's really lovely. I wonder if there's anything that you would say to someone who might be listening who maybe isn't sure if they have a story to tell or what their story would be um, about where to start or how to think about this in those terms.
1: Yeah, I guess I think I, I go back to any time I'm feeling some sort of strong emotional reaction to something, I want to slow down and reflect on that. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, my mind is always writing in different directions, and so writing actually helps me to kind of force myself to sit down and um, often I'll, I will start with writing to a prompt, like I have five minutes to write on one topic, and I'll write to that topic. Mm-hmm. And then I'll come back, and if I feel like it has some sort of value, I'll go back and develop it some more. I'm a big, I'm a big believer in, in editing and having people um, give me feedback on my stuff. And so I have a, a little core group at my residency where we will often share stories together and then edit them and, and kind of, it moves quite a bit over the time. And so just being very open to feedback and and, and then just see what happens.
0: Is there anything else that you want to add or anything as we're closing this conversation?
1: You know, I'm I'm glad you're doing this because I I do just think that uh, as a field, we are a field that should be rich in stories, very rich in stories, and just really um, honoring them more, carving Mm -hmm. up more space for them at our conferences and our conversations with our patients because I do think it really enriches all of our lives.
0: Yeah, it's these, these mindful connect I love that title that you guys chose of connections mm-hmm. and that's this our stories to tell and coming together and being mindful of those.
1: Yeah. So. I do want to give us a quick shout out to my co-editors. Thank you, Laura Sedano. Thank you, Mark Knutson. It was great to doing this with you.
0: Yes, I wish that, um, you know, we could have had them on with us, but we, I'm stealing away an opportunity that Randall and I happen to be in person and using that opportunity to record. Uh, so we're, I'm going to close this part of our conversation. Thank you, Randall, so Thank much you, for Grace, your time. So nice um, and then we're going to speak with a, a couple of different ways that clinicians are using stories in their work. you would start by introducing yourself for us.
2: Yeah, um, my name is Carlin Sievers. I am one of the Associate Program Directors at St. Mary's Family Medicine Residency in Grand Junction, Colorado.
0: Okay, and you are a physician, right? Yes. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about like your training in uh, clinical
2: practice? So I trained at Truman Medical Center Lakewood in Kansas City And for about five years after I graduated from residency, I was in a small town private practice in a little town called Rolla, Missouri, that no one's ever heard of unless you've been to Rolla, Missouri, Mm -hmm. which was, it was a great place to practice, but very small. Then I actually spent six months overseas in New Zealand, and then I went to the residency program in Casper for five years, and then from there moved here, and so I've been here for a little over five years now.
0: I love that. It's so one of the things we're talking about today in this theme is about stories and patient stories and I can only imagine the different stories of place that you've gotten from being in those different places. And um, before but before we talk about your clinical practice, I'm curious to hear what is kind of your personal history with words and stories.
2: So I grew up always thinking that I wanted to be an author. Uh, I was an English major in college and for a while I wanted to be a technical writer. I was going to write technical manuals for like engineering companies and, and then I realized that that was a horrible choice and I did not want to do that. But I always kind of thought that I wanted to be an author and then as I started having to actually pick my field, I discovered that that is not the most stable profession that one can go into. and. Maybe I wanted something that could give me a little more guaranteed income, so found my way to medicine.
0: Awesome. Um, so I wonder if you would just kind of start broadly. Like, how do you see story coming into play as you're working with patients?
2: Well, I think it's absolutely integral to what we do as family medicine doctors. We're always getting to the heart of someone's story because a lot of times, um, if you find that someone is struggling with an illness, it's because there's a story about what's going on with them at home, and they can't, you know, take care of getting their medications because they're spending money on their kid's treatment for something, there's there's always a deeper story behind everyone that you meet. Mm-hmm. And a part of what makes the job fun for me is finding out about that story um, and finding out about the story of the whole family and being able to take all of that into account.
0: Is there any particular way that you try to open up for patients to be able to tell you more of their stories or to kind of communicate to them that you do want the bigger picture, you do want the longer version?
2: I think a lot of that is just communicated by listening carefully when people start talking, trying to make sure, even though we have you know time-limited visits, trying to make sure that you don't interrupt people, that you let them tell their story, and just being genuinely interested and, and getting to ask cool questions about what they do helps them know that that's what we're after, is to know them as a person.
0: I'm, I'm not sure this question's going to make sense, so I'm just going to say <laughs> it. We'll see. Um, but I'm wondering if there's a way that like if you conceptualize taking the history differently than getting the patient's story or is it one and the same to you to me it's one and
2: the same because everything about their life usually has to do with what's going on with them, the reason that they come into the office. And there's always interesting clues about what could be happening when they tell you about their life. So for me, getting a history is all about letting them tell their own story.
0: Mm. So you mentioned that you moved to, you've, you've practiced in different places in different countries. Are there um, themes or variances between patient stories that you've experienced and practicing in those different settings?
2: I mean, every region has its own kind of flavor for what people are like. But I think if there's anything I've learned from living in a lot of different places, it's that people are people everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the difference may be, you know, in New Zealand, everybody's close to the ocean and there are lots of ocean stories. And in Grand Junction, everyone's close to the mountains and there are lots of mountain stories. But the flavor of those stories is the same you know we're all people and we all fall in love and we all get our hearts broken and we all have exciting moments of you know triumph and we all have moments of despair and we all get sick and we all get better and those stories are the same for everyone and so the flavor may be different but the the general story is the same
0: yeah i think that's really powerful and just the honoring the humanity in your patients and the dignity and those stories that comes through is even as you're sharing that is really apparent. How do you think about or do you put any thought to kind of the story that you bring or your story as a physician or as a in medicine? I think
2: you have to be careful about when you use your own stories with patients and how, Mm -hmm. because partly because it's not about me. The visit's about them and so I don't want to take over their narrative or try to um, you know force a piece of myself into the conversation but I think sometimes patients worry that they're gonna tell you too much that they're gonna open up about something and I'm gonna think it's weird or that you know they can't tell me something because I won't understand and so sometimes just telling a story about yourself and you know this happened to me in my life will help patients realize that they can really tell you what's going on and that you're not going to look at them and be like, well, you're just a big old weirdo. So um, yeah, I think that's very helpful.
0: Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Um, and thinking about the the deliberate and careful placement of those stories. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add just to this conversation? So our audience is physicians and behavioral health providers and administrators and all people that are working on this kind of interdisciplinary collaborative care that we share with patients. So thinking in mind of who might be listening, anything else that you want to share?
2: I think if I had to sum something up about my concept of of narrative medicine or about, you know, listening to people and telling their stories, it is the more pressured we get, the more the tighter visits get, the more time constraints we have, the busier we get during the day, the harder it is to let people tell their story. And of course, there are plenty of times where you just have to kind of get to the meat of it and you don't have time to really sit and let people share. But I think those moments where you really do get to know someone and you really do get to hear their story and let them tell where they're coming from, I think those are rejuvenating for all of us. And so, Um, Sometimes when I'm having one of my more burned out days, um, I try to think back to patient stories that I've heard, or I try to just take a moment and take a pause and let Mm -hmm. somebody tell me something about who they are. And those moments remind me of why I do this and why I decided to go this way and not become an author.
0: Yeah, So much power and meaning in that. Well, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing this information. And it um, sounds like your, your patients are really fortunate to have you being the bearer and the listener to their story.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that.
3: start by introducing yourself, please? Absolutely. Hi, my name is Aubrey Kaler. I am the Director of Behavioral Science at Wake Forest School of Medicine Family Medicine Residency Program. What is
0: your personal history with words and stories?
3: Significant um, personal history with words and stories. I identify as a writer. I um, had a class as an eighth grader, seventh and eighth grader, um, about literature and writing. And what really stuck with me there is that everyone has a story and thinking about how do we center stories, not only for ourselves, but also the people we encounter around us. Um, So that's that has been ingrained in me early. Um, I have written short pieces, um, mostly autobiographical, but also creative. And I write a lot of poetry. So that's something that I um, have fallen back on as a form of uh, coping and expression self-expression throughout my life. I recently compiled 17 years of poetry and it was 60 pages which i was actually surprised it wasn't longer but y'all 60 pages of poetry is in fact quite a lot <laughs> um, for me that was uh, 70 years of of the poetry that i wanted to compile um in particular so uh additionally as a therapist this has been huge for me i would say more than my um professional heartbeat being um a therapist. My professional heartbeat is as a storyteller. I, um, in my undergraduate program, I was an anthropology major, um, medical anthropology, actually. So thinking about uh, stories of health and healing, and death and disease, and systems of traditional medicine, and how this shapes our um, conceptualizations of medicine, and how biomedicine is also a set of <laughs> different stories and and cultural beliefs. So my background is pretty strong in the stories and words department. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wanted to have you on because we were having a conversation about stories and stories in medicine and stories in teaching. And I know this is something that we've connected over a lot in the past. Could you tell me a little bit about your perspective on the power of words and stories in medicine?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, many people in medicine, clinicians in medicine, think a lot about the patient's story. And that is, of course, vital to good patient care and to underscoring why the clinician is in medicine. So it often uh, reconnects to uh, the person's passion for uh, serving humanity. Um, but in prompting clinicians to tell their story both their own personal experience or their experience of working with patients. Uh, It really brings it back home to who they are and how this impacts them um, and kind of shifts the focus back on the personal experience of the clinician as a human being and not just as a clinician.
0: So you're talking about, yes, we use it in patient care. Yes, we think about the patient's story or their illness story or their narratives but then shifting the perspective to the provider. Mm -hmm. But what does that do for the provider to shift and think about like what they're bringing or what Mm -hmm. their part of the story is?
3: Yeah, so uh, there's a lot to gain from storytelling, uh, both retelling of patient stories as well as telling of the clinician story around um, compassion and empathy building. And again, we often think about how important it is to have empathy and compassion for patients. And of course that is vital, Uh, but also having empathy and compassion for the clinician experience um, and the challenges in healthcare uh, that can sometimes be overlooked on the clinician side. Um, So I think there's a a universal um, or bi-directional increase in empathy and compassion with storytelling um, and also a sense of self-awareness and deeper awareness of the patient around the relationship. Um, When you tell a story, you are processing and perspective-taking in a new way, and that helps people not only uh, better understand what's going on for the patient, but again, better understand what's going on for themselves. I love that.
0: I think we were having a conversation also just to kind of bridge that in about the self of the physician Mm -hmm. and how there, you know, we talk about the doctor patient relationship a lot and being patient focused, but still, so much of the time, our focus is on the patient part of the doctor patient relationship. But we as clinicians are carrying in we're a piece of that relationship and we're a piece of that story. So it sounds like that you try to be intentional in helping cultivate perspective and mm-hmm. like self-empathy.
3: That's absolutely true. Uh, one of the founders of narrative medicine, Rita Sharon, who's cited a lot, talks about um, medicines for central narratives So there's, of course, physician and patient, which we think and talk about a lot and is a great place to enter narrative medicine, but there's also physician and self, uh, physician and colleagues, and physicians in society. I think that last one, physicians in society, we've thought a lot more about during the pandemic and also other um, uh, movements around anti-racism or um, universal healthcare. So what is the physician's role when it comes to their personal story potentially interfacing with and impacting um, societal levels for change. Um, so yes, mm-hmm. absolutely.
0: So you're in a faculty role mm-hmm. and you are a medical educator. What are some ways that you've used narrative medicine mm-hmm. in your role as an educator?
3: hmm Yes, I'd love to talk about that. This is my favorite (laughs) part of what I do as a medical educator. Most recently, I was invited by the Department of Psychiatry to do a two-part grand rounds on narrative medicine. This is something that uh, one of their faculty uh, had really enjoyed in her residency and realized there was no narrative medicine currently in the Department of Psychiatry. So a bit of being an ambassador to other departments. And in family medicine, uh, more regularly, I am over the uh, behavioral health rotations. We have two weeks for interns in their uh, first years, Um, and then two weeks for second years. And during both of those rotations, we do a narrative medicine experience. So this is something that um, I have partnered with Mark Knudsen on, who is one of the editors on this uh, recent book, Connections in the Clinic. Okay, I'm so glad I remembered the title. <laughs> um, <laughs> this wonderful new book. So what Mark Knudsen and I uh, have done jointly is we are uh, presenting some of the concepts of narrative medicine, such as what I've just gone over, why it's important, what it is. Uh, We then have the residents read a prompt, uh, either a a brief essay, um, piece of my mind, essay from JAMA, something along those lines, or a poem. We reflect on it briefly together, and then we do a free write. Um, That's the first portion. And in between the first portion and the second portion, we have the residents move the or transform their free write into a 55-word story. Uh, 55 word fiction. Although sometimes the residents say, "Does it have to be fictional?" And then I <laughs> clarify that no, that's just a really catchy way to say a 55 word piece. Um, so a story that's 55 words uh, can be fictional or it can be autobiographical or or true. And uh, we don't require the residents to share their free write. We give space for that, but we do ask that they prepare a 55 word story that they are comfortable sharing, and they share that in a small group.
0: I love that. So how long have you been doing this activity for?
3: Uh, three and a half, almost four years. And what kind of response have you had from your learners? They are largely uh, very surprised at how much they enjoy it. <laughs> so I will say we have a 10-10-10 program. Probably one out of 10 residents will uh, still not find it valuable after going through the experience and say, yeah, I'd rather not do that again. And, and I say, well, you're going to, if you're an intern, you're going to do that one more time, (laughs) but then you'll never have to do it again. Um, but nine out of 10 residents are usually a little hesitant, um, to engage in this writing exercise. You all can relate to, um, unless you're frequently writing by hand, how strange it is to like pick up a pen and a legal pad and, and With a free write, you're just writing without self-editing, which is actually quite challenging. In some ways, it takes the pressure off because you don't have to have your words perfect. But in other ways, it can just feel very unnatural and counterintuitive. So that piece is, I think, a little unnerving and different. But they are often surprised by what comes out. We've had people draw upon experiences that happened years ago that they realize they never really had a chance to process or talk about. Sometimes the, um, so the, the prompts, the stories we read, um, the essays or um, poetry are about uh, healthcare, but we encourage the resident to write about whatever comes up for them. They can use that as a prompt if they like, or if there's something else on their mind, that's fine. So It really runs the gamut, whether they are writing about their uh, medical experience, uh, either within training or um, patient care, uh, or if they're talking about their personal lives. And that also I think is very illuminative that you cannot separate those. They are uh, absolutely inextricably linked because they're happening for the same person. and That person's both a clinician and also a human being. I think they've also been happy and impressed about how poetic their 55 word stories are Um, so this is in some ways a shortcut to creating prose or poetry when you take a maybe 200 250 word free write and turn it into a 55 word story it sounds like prose or poetry when you um, reduce it down to something uh, so concise and and simple kind of stripped of any extra words so they often are surprised at how good it sounds to them
0: Our listeners are in all kinds of environments and clinics and educational settings, and some of our listeners even are still learners themselves. But I love that. This idea of doing it as a group activity, but I also think there's components that can be pulled out for individual clinicians, whether it's taking the time to read the piece of my mind or the narrative pieces that are published in Family Systems and Health,
2: Mm -hmm. the CFHA
0: Journal, or um, I know Family Medicine also publishes narrative pieces, and there's the... um, Oh, what is the name of the email that I get? The Pulse. Yes, The Pulse Mm -hmm. is a free um, email that we can put in the show notes that puts out um, poetry and prose. So I think taking the time to engage Mm -hmm. with those stories Mm -hmm. is really a meaningful point of connection. But then I love what you said about it, building empathy, Mm -hmm. that when we as clinicians tend to more hard on ourselves or to move from task to task to demand like it's a very different writing than your clinical documentation that's right um and so engaging this other part of your brain and then hopefully finding a place where you can share Mm -hmm. um whether that's a formal writing group or an informal just a, a colleague or a peer or a friend who you can be like i wrote this thing and it is just like meaningful to me Mm -hmm. there's power in sharing those words
3: i agree um as you were talking i was thinking about uh this as being a tribute to what matters the individual Mm. and that might not be Uh, what matters to another colleague or uh, what matters even to the patient care. It could have been what mattered to you in that moment because it connected the dots between several different experiences or uh, because you caught yourself in a pattern that was meaningful or that you wanted to interrupt. Um, It's a tribute to what matters and taking the time to write that down gives it due process. I love that. Thank you
0: so much for sharing this about this exercise and different ideas um and for these moments of connection i appreciate you being here
3: absolutely thanks for having me grace
0: Things have been a little bit different this month, but I hope you've enjoyed this thoughtful conversation about stories and the stories we tell in medicine and how we use our stories in medicine from taking moments to pause and mindful reflection to listening openly and carefully to the many stories our patients tell to using our own stories to develop empathy in ourselves. I want to read a closing meditation along our usual lines, this piece is called Contact. It's from a book called First Patient, Last Patient by Stephen Dell Giudice. Contact. It doesn't have to be much, and it doesn't have to be in person. It just has to be enough. It requires your complete attention, listening without unrelated thoughts shifting in and out of your mind, free of distraction, speaking intentionally, not reciting lines like a cashier at the grocery store. Calling a patient yourself. Checking in. Letting the person know you didn't forget what was said as soon as the visit ended. Maybe sending a note, a personal note in the mail, a concentrated message. It doesn't have to be long. When you call, you might ask the patient to come in if you sense some reassurance is needed. And if the person does come in, you sit nearby looking into the eyes, maybe touching a knee, a forearm, a shoulder. Using your emotional instincts and observational experience to tell you when to touch, what to say, when to just listen, when to leave. Medical charisma, that's what it feels like. Not charm or force of personality, not that kind of charisma, but charisma from the root of the word, grace. Your position, healer, makes this possible. When you bring your undivided consciousness to your patients, they feel medical charisma. It helps them heal. Their own instincts say they can trust you. Even a brief medical encounter can hold an intense moment. It is designed for one. Your awareness during the moment brings that intensity to life. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be hard. It has to be absolute. It has to be enough contact. I hope that you take some time this month to reflect on your stories and that you share them with us. And we'll talk to you again, hopefully with our whole team next month.